podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we take all of the latest gossip, news and events and we relay it back to you guys for your viewing and listening pleasure, depending of course on the platform that you listen or watch us on. And without further ado, my name is Adam Burns, I'm one of the hosts and joining me once again my co-host Mr Courtney Pine. Courtney, first of all, how are you doing? Are you okay? Um, Hello everyone, yeah, it's been a great weekend um, in many aspects and as I stated in the last episode, I'm really getting the feeling of the uh, new season coming around the corner. You know, these car launches are coming thick and fast and we're here to discuss yet another one. Absolutely. Pre-season definitely is coming at us thick and fast. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this season in action. And from what we've seen from the first couple of cars already, that be the McLaren uh, MCL35M and the AlphaTauri AT02, it looks like a lot of cars are breaking cover in more than just a nice new coat of paint. And that always brings uh, excitement, anticipation, and also expectation for many, as we still won't have a clue about the revised pecking order until preseason testing. And even then, we may have to wait until Bahrain, as we so often have done in the past. But without further ado, of course, this is the third video that we have done on the uh, car launches now of course if you do enjoy these video episodes of these particular podcasts on the car launches do let us know of course this is something new that we're trialing compared to how we were last year and uh oh, we're enjoying this so far it's a nice little break away from some of the news and gossip just to have a talk about some of the new cars and what surprises that they're showing early doors and perhaps what they may offer in terms of innovation, in terms of determining what that pecking order will be for the coming season. But of course, this is the Alfa Romeo C41 review. Now, first things first, for those of you eagle-eyed fans would have noticed that last year's car was called the C39. So why have they decided to go to C41 and not C40? Well, basically a bit of fun trivia is that they'd already started on the project for the 2022 car before uh, it was delayed to 2022 and they'd started that before this car and they were calling because uh, obviously you know the rules were pushed back a year so they weren't planning to bring this car out at all of course that wasn't the plan before covid but basically that project was titled c40 and instead of trying to change the title of this car they just thought you know what forget it we'll just call next year's car the c40 so next time if we do this re- similar review in a year's time looking at the alpha male we'll call it the c40 and you're trying to wonder well hold on you're going backwards. That's not the case. This is why they've done that. Boring when I explain it like that, but that is pretty much why for those of you that are confused as to what it is. But of course, let's talk about the car, the most important part of the launch. And first things first, Courtney, what did you think of the launch? Did you watch it? Yeah, I like the fact that they kept it brief, straight to the point. Um, it was obvious that Kimi Bryken hated being there because I see the lack of interest on his face. But you know what? I think that's what a lot of people... Were there to stay, but again, I like I like the fact they kept it brief, and the car itself delivery is beautiful. Like mm. I'm really hoping that um, Alfa Romeo don't change, you know, their identity in the future because their cars do look good, and um, yeah, it's certainly aesthetics wise they're doing well. It's just 
we'll see how well it actually performs. Absolutely. I mean, I was watching it this morning as well. And I'm not going to lie, when I saw the dancers and the show and the production, everything else, I thought, oh, God, this is going to be like Ferrari-esque, isn't it? It's going to be like two hours of <laughs> nothing to do with what we want to see. And then they bring the car out for like five minutes and talk to the drivers and that's it. But this one was actually surprisingly brief. Of course, they did go on afterwards, but the main launch itself, a few minutes of dancing, bit of a presentation, a dramatic build up, and then they unveiled the car as well, which of course, we saw a lot of leaks on the internet. For those of you following it on social media, there were actual leaks of the car livery uh, or the car itself being pushed onto the platform and it wasn't properly covered, which was quite funny in a way. So we had a rough idea of how this car was going to look. But in terms of the livery, if we were judging Formula One cars based on how they look primarily in terms of livery rather than actual racing, Alfa Romeo so far would be the, the front runners. Mm-hmm. absolutely stunning i mean i always like the look of the alfa romeo cars of course since they uh merged with salba back in 2018 and you know the white and red it just looks right it's got that italian-esque feel to it of course another italian team and alfa romeo obviously well known in the car industry uh for you know designing beautiful cars very elegant looking cars and they always say you're never considered a true petrol head unless you've owned an alfa romeo um, in formula one of course that's a bit different but so far it looks fantastic i must say i really really do enjoy this livery absolutely beautiful um i'm hoping it's not the best car the best looking car that i see this season but if it turns out to be the best livery i certainly will not be disappointed um it's nice to see a little bit of change this is a very strange season where a lot of it is carried over from last year but it's nice to see the teams are not being lazy in terms of how they look and they just decided to go up with something a bit different even if this season is a bit of a stopgap before the new regulations in terms of the technical elements of the car corny um what do you make of this car is this something that you feel that will move Alfa Romeo out of the C-class category in Formula One and into the midfield? Or do you feel that perhaps we need to see it out on track and see what the others do before we can make any assumptions? I think this is going to be one of the teams that are going to rely most on whatever upgrade Ferrari are bringing to their engine this season. Um, I think in terms of resources, they tend to struggle compared to most teams. So hypothetically speaking, if the engine or pecking order is in the same state that it was last season, I expect to see Alfa Alfa Romeo at the back with Haas. I expect improvements from Williams to push them closer to the midfield. But if Ferrari live up to the height that they've they've been, you know, raising about this new engine, then maybe they could become a midfield competitor. Who knows? They might have a couple of surprises, but... In the press conference itself, they did seem to raise the fact, which we already kind of knew, that most of the effort's already going into the 2022 car. So if they start off slowly, I expect them to quickly move on to 2022 and just sort of take take the sort of short-term pain this season in order to have a better season in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we cannot understate enough or, you know, how significant the new rules and regulations are going to be and obviously how they're taking an effect this season because everyone's going to be on a level playing field in terms of resourcing you know the smaller teams Alfa Romeo being one of them will have to spend more money of course to reach that 145 million budget cost cap but you know the significance of having the bigger teams like the Ferraris Mercedes and Red Bulls have their budgets cut in half and more than that 
cannot be understated. And they have to use this season, if they can, to try and develop a, a car that's better, obviously, than last year's, although it will, might take a little bit of time to do that, given the uh, regulation changes reducing the downforce levels. Of course, that will be priority number one, to try and recoup as much as that as possible. But also you know, to inspire them to think, look, if we've got a decent car here, we might be able to get a decent result this season. It's a balancing act. And I think everyone needs to be aware, regardless of where you are in the championship or where you're expected to be, there is still an opportunity to win a champion, well, not win a championship in Alfa Romeo's case, but for some good performances this season. I mean, Alfa Romeo had one double point score finish last season at Imola. Mm. And that by large was owing to a very late safety car, which completely messed up the field. And of course, crashes involving George Russell throwing points away in the Williams. That aside, Alfa Romeo know they do need to make improvements on this car. Uh, last year, I didn't think it was that bad of a car. It, it struggled at slower to mid-speed corners. That was where the Achilles heel was. And it's something that Kimi Raikkonen in particular did not enjoy. Um, it, it didn't give him much confidence, although he did drive relatively well, all things considered. And as you mentioned, the Ferrari power unit will be the significant factor once again this season. Of course, last season, uh, they struggled a lot, as did Haas and, of course, Ferrari as well um, because of the power unit issues. If Ferrari have got on top of it and have produced a power unit that is at least on the level of Renault and maybe even Honda to a degree, then they might be in business and might be able to snip at the heels of the likes of Alpha Tauri and Alpine and some of the other contenders in the midfield. Um, I would edge on the side of caution that the voice, you know, the noise is coming from people like Frederick Vasseur, for example, as you mentioned, Courtney, looking towards 2022, that perhaps they feel that it's not something that they can sustain long term. If they have got a good car out of the blocks, great. But in terms of development, the priority seems to be the 2022, which is fair enough. Um, it makes I have sense. I haven't seen anything on this car that's gone jumped out on me and gone, wow, that is, you know, could be a game changer. I mean, I, as I said, I'm not an aerodynamicist, but from what I do understand and from what I have seen, a lot of the work has gone on the front of the car. The two mm -hmm. tokens that they spent on the front of the car, they've got a brand new nose, um, which it's slimmer based on the, you know, the same sort of concept that Ferrari and Haas have gone, but uh, Alpha have gone their own way on this a little bit. It's more of a rounded platypus like shape. Now, that should work with the new front wing and new front suspension. And it should work also with the barge walls and the new underfloor as per the new regulations. I think a lot of teams are going to be having slimmer noses. Those that haven't already adopted the Mercedes style nose in general. Don't be surprised. I mean, you might not see it on Ferrari, but don't be surprised if there's some sort of innovation on there to sort of compensate for that. Cause they're focusing more on the rear, but in Alpha's case, you know, new front wing, um, new nose, new barge walls, new side pods. A lot of these parts are actually free to develop anyway, so they're not subject to the tokens. But as expected, the front of the car was going to be where these teams have focused their technical changes. And it must be said, I think, Courtney, a lot of the customer teams like Alfa Romeo, Haas in particular, Alfa Tauri, we've already seen, they're mostly going to be focusing on the front of the car, um, whereas the bigger teams like Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes will most likely be focused on the rear. And the reason for that, is as we explained in last in the last episode where we talked about the Alpha Tauri, is that when teams have listed parts that are supplied by their supplier teams, in Alpha's case from Ferrari to some degree, um, not at the level of Haas, but you know it's the same sort of process. They have a free upgrade option available to them to upgrade right. to the 2020 spec if they want to. So they don't have to use development tokens 
to get those upgrades. Of course, this is subject to them using the 2019 version. If Alpha went their own way on the 2020 part, they can't suddenly go, oh, we'll have the Ferrari one because it's better. You didn't have it last year, so you can't have it this year. So for those of you wondering, uh, will race, or will Aston Martin do that with Mercedes? They said, well, only for parts that were on, that were 2019 spec going 2020. They can't suddenly just change and pick and choose from Mercedes parts, but I digress. So I've seen a lot of these new parts. I think a lot of the, the devil's in the detail with Alfa Romeo and there's nothing, as I said before, that screams out to me as if like, oh, this is brand new. This is amazingly innovative. or oh, this looks like this could be fast. I think they have to focus on those two areas I mentioned before, the slower to mid-speed corners. If they can improve that, they might have a chance of getting more points than they did last year. Um, I wouldn't say they were downbeat, Courtney, but the general vibe, as we said already, it seems that the focus, as you mentioned, has shifted to 2022 mm-hmm. and they just want to see how they do this year. And then if it's a good season, great. If it's a bad season, then, you know, so what? Yeah, I I think there's a lot of changes coming to this team. You know, they they seem to have quite an uncertain future from an ownership perspective and also with both of their drivers. So I, I feel that the stock gap, sort of attitude towards this season is probably most likely to happen with Alfa Romeo compared to most of the teams. Like the bigger teams will be sort of using this season in a different way, but certainly with Alfa Romeo, I think there's going to be some big changes come to this team in 2022, not just because of the regulations. No, you're right. And uh, we mentioned this before that there are some concerned over what their driver lineup's going to be. You know, there's a growing belief that neither uh, Giovinazzi or Kimi Raikkonen would be involved with Alfa Romeo next season. I think we, I think Courtney, you put this out to our Instagram followers as mm-hmm. well. Um, if you haven't already followed us on Instagram, the handles are below. So definitely make sure you do that. I was just say point in that way, but yes, the handles are below. So make sure you definitely follow that to be involved in that sort of thing. But what was the general consensus or the vibe, I suppose, from our followers in terms of where Alfa Romeo are going to go with their driver lineup for 2022? So, yeah, I asked um, you guys on Instagram, do you expect this to be Kimi Raikkonen's last season in Formula 1? And, yeah, a whopping 89% of you said it will be his last. I fully agree. I I can't see him really carrying on after this season. I think the motivation is kind of, like, what what can he really do from this point? I know he just enjoys Formula 1. He enjoys getting paid to drive a car. Can't blame him for that, really. But sort of going to a team where there's no no real sense of ambition. I just don't I just, I just can I can see him getting bored and with Antonio Giovinazzi, that Ferrari driver academy is sort of growing and becoming more impressive. And the amount of these drivers that are coming through, I think this is going to be a massive season for him. Because if he doesn't perform, as you've already said Adam, I can see not only Kimi leaving, but I can also see Giovinazzi leaving as well. Mm. It seems that Alfa Romeo have reached the point where they've almost got a bit of an identity crisis because since they had that merger with Sauber in 2018, of course, they had a brilliant first season. It was a great car. Uh, you know, Charles Leclerc putting in some stellar performances, Marcus Ericsson as well at the time. And since then, you know, they have gone with a concept where which has really hindered them in terms of the newer regulations of 2019. And then, of course, in 2021, it's been very difficult for them to really get on top of things in the same way that their rivals have for loads of reasons, budget being one of them, but the expansion project has been there for Alfa Romeo. It seems that 
with all this growing and this technical partnership with Ferrari that was growing, of course, halfway through uh, the 2020 car development, Simon Resta went back to Ferrari, of course, which really hampered their development. Mm. Um, and now, of course, he's going to be working more with uh, Haas in the future as well. So there is a worry that Sauber are slipping towards the very back of the grid yes. with no direct support from Ferrari at this point of time, or at least to the degree that Haas are getting. I think they really missed a trick not going for Mick Schumacher because as a neutral Formula One fan, I look at Haas, for example, and I feel the only thing that kind of gives F1 fans to reason to look at Haas as a team is Mick Schumacher. You know, obviously the son of Michael, big support from Ferrari, raises the question, will, will, he, will he be good enough and eventually end up at Ferrari? So eyes are going to be on Haas next season. And there's no, there's no doubt it. If he had the opportunity to go to Alfa Romeo over Haas, he would have done that. So I don't know. Like I know, I've only got Kimi. Everyone loves Kimi. But in terms of a long-term project for Alfa Romeo, I think they've they made a big mistake not going for Mick. Possibly in the short term, it might seem that way. I feel that you know, and we're assuming that obviously Alfa Romeo were very much at the forefront as to why Mick Schumacher didn't join them instead of joining Huss. It seemed for all the while that that was going to happen. And mm-hmm. uh, Callum Isla, as we mentioned, was going to go to Huss. Um, it, it, as I mentioned, this identity crisis at Alfa Romeo, because it's still very much Sauber, but with Alfa Romeo branding. And of course, that's a good one to have on you, same way as Aston Martin will be the former racing points. And there's a lot of good people there. It's a very good team. It's done a lot on a small budget as well. It can't be understated over the last couple of years, despite the downturn, they've done well to get them up to where they were. I feel that perhaps this synergy relationship with Ferrari probably put them off the, well, probably put them off the uh, idea of trying to go for higher aspirations long-term because the last thing you want to do as a B team, if you like, with all due respect to Haas in this case, there's a ceiling on how far you can actually go. Yeah. With the 2022 shake-up, yes, they will get the benefit of the Ferrari power unit in gearbox. Of course, that's going to be fine. And if Ferrari achieve what they set out to in 2022, it's going to be a world beater. So that will be an advantage to have anyway. But they obviously want to go their own way with this concept. And obviously with the increased funding and the cost cap, all of those ingredients are being put in place for Alfa Romeo to take advantage of that. This is something to bring the pack closer together. So perhaps they feel in their minds that if Ferrari are as involved as possible in terms of a technical department, uh, technical partnership development, mm. I should say, um, like they are with Haas, it kind of restricts Alfa Romeo to being top of the midfield rather than trying to challenge for championships. Because let's face it, Courtney, they're, nobody's in Formula One to make up the numbers. No, They all have aspirations. They all want to win. They all want to be successful. Alpha Tauri, of course, are trying to go their own way a little bit on development in terms of Red Bull to try and get out of their shadow. Perhaps this is Alfa Romeo trying to do the same thing with Ferrari. And this is something they've been doing for a while now. And perhaps this Haas-Ferrari partnership increasing, it's probably the best time to try and experiment with something like this rather than not. I, I agree with you. In the short term, it might not be a good idea, but I feel that the long-term benefits, well, that they may have a higher ceiling of performance to reach than Ferrari will allow Haas to achieve themselves. So very much have to watch this space on this one. You mentioned um, Giovinazzi. You know, we, we yeah. talked about Kimi, and I think Nuff said with Kimi Raikkonen because Kimi... You know, 2007 world champion. He's had a fantastic career in Formula One. The most experienced F1 driver of all time. The list goes on of all of his accolades. And as much as we will miss Kimi, I I do feel that he is there purely this season to make sure that everything sort of ticks over and carried over for 2022. Use as much input as he can. And then obviously has someone new in after that. 
with Giovinazzi, we've mentioned countless times that there is potential in there, but he's running out of time to showcase and deliver and, and more importantly, convince his parents, Suter's Ferrari, that he has a big future in F1. And you mentioned the younger drivers, of course, waiting in the wings, the likes of Callum Mylot, who's off the Ferrari test and development driver this season after missing out on an F1 seat, which we both agree he fully deserved after his F2 performances. Marcus Armstrong had a solid F2 campaign last season. It will be his third season in there and he'll be racing for the Dams team, one of the top teams in there. So, you know, he'll have some fun racing in that team. Look forward to see how he gets on. And then, of course, let's not forget Robert Schwartzman, a man who made headlines at the start of the F2 Championship last season, every champion the season before. And in that Premier team, you'd have to say definitely one of the hot favourites to win that series and could be in Formula 1 next season. So in terms of Giovinazzi, realistically speaking, Courtney, do you feel that it will be possible for Gio to convince Alfa Romeo and perhaps even Ferrari that he should still be in Formula One in 22 and beyond? Or do you feel that, you know, this will be his last season regardless of what he achieves? It all depends on how he gets on this season. You know, bearing in mind that Kimi is likely to leave, he needs to be taking that step up to prove that he's going to be a leader of the team. Because if a young driver comes in, he'll be automatically seen as the leader of the team. So he needs to really up it, not to a small standard. He needs to really take a massive leap forwards in order to keep his Formula One seat. You know, I, I personally can't see it happening. You know, the, all the names you've stated, they're more than likely to do a decent job in a Formula One car. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to knock the guy too much, but if Alfa Romeo really do have ambitions to take that next step, I can't see Giovinazzi being, being the spearhead for any kind of projects that could work. Mm. He's a solid driver, but mm. it, it almost seems that this season in particular, perhaps more so than before, that he's the sort of driver that goes about his business but isn't really the sort of driver that has the fanfare behind him or puts in the performances on a regular basis to take note of him. It's a very difficult situation he finds himself in with the car he has. It's not easy to make those kind of performances. But then you look at other drivers in equipment around him, drivers like George Russell, for example, Um and on occasion, Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen last season on occasion were able to put in good performances. Kimi Raikkonen, uh, I remember in Belgium, Kimi Raikkonen uh, beat both the works Ferraris uh, in a race where they didn't retire, which was huge, considering mm. it hadn't happened in such a long time. It was such a big thing. And then there's Giovinazzi just making up the numbers. And as I said, I think it's a solid driver, but I do feel that unless he does something spectacular this season or shows the real potential that we think he could have had when he first came into Formula One four years ago, it could be um, literally better off trying to find alternative uh, racing options for 2022 and beyond outside of Formula One. It's the harsh reality of it, but unfortunately for Gio, there's just so much weight, so many young drivers, so much young talent chomping at the bit to get their opportunity. And as of yet, he hasn't been able to demonstrate that he's better than those guys or will do a better job than those in 2022 and beyond. So um, in terms of Alfa Romeo to round this episode up, where do you think they will come this season? Do you think they're going to get out of the mid, uh, get into the midfield or do you feel that perhaps they will struggle um, and go further back this season? At this current moment in time, I'm going to put them second to last. I think it's going to be Haas and then Alfa Romeo. Oh, so you think Williams will beat both of them. I reckon Williams are going to take a step forward given the new investment they have, yes, and given that they have a driver of George Russell's calibre. Mm. 
Yeah, with the experience he's had last season, I think that'll make him a exactly. better I think that's a fair assessment. I, I've said that I'm worried that Alfa Romeo will slip to the very back of the field. Again, it depends solely perhaps on how good this Ferrari 2021 engine is going to be, especially as I mentioned already that the project for 2022 is a completely different concept altogether. And whilst Ferrari have made improvements, you can't discount uh, what other teams are going to do, what Honda are going to do in terms of their new engine, which will help Alpha Tauri, obviously Red Bull aren't really a factor in this, but even still, and Renault, what they're going to do with the new Alpine car and everything else. So, yeah, I probably agree with you on this one. I think Haas and Alfa Romeo are going to have a battle at the back of the field between themselves. How close they get to the midfield will depend on how good that Ferrari engine is. But there's nothing on the Alfa Romeo car that suggests to me that it's going to be anything special. I think it will probably still be better than Haas because I think Haas had a lot of stuff wrong with that car. And it was getting better. But with two young rookies like Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin, with all respect to those guys, they did have a stronger driver lineup last season, even if the car this season is better. So it kind of all balances itself out. But let us know, guys, of course. Let us know what you think of the brand new Alfa Romeo. How, do you enjoy the livery? Um, is it your favourite livery that you've seen so far? Let us know which one is your favourite so far between the three that we've seen. And, of course, make sure to let us know how you think Alfa Romeo are going to get on this season, what you think are the chances of Kimi Raikkonen or Antonio Giovinazzi, or even both of them keeping one of their seats at Alfa Romeo next season. And of course, guys, don't forget, make sure to like the video if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already on YouTube. Please, please, please do subscribe. If you enjoy our content and you're watching it regularly, it's absolutely free to subscribe. There's no upfront cost, no obligation or anything like that. The only reward is you'll get more great content from us guys as and when we upload it. So you do not miss a thing, of course. And we absolutely would love for you to join our growing DNF1 family. All that's left to say, Courtney, is thank you very much for joining me once again on another episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Yeah, love doing it. But I must say, I'm looking a lot more forward to the next one, which is Red Bull. Yes. Could this be the car? Could this be the car to finally end Mercedes dominance? And we're going to get the first signs of that come. Well, we're going to be recording on Thursday. Oh, yes. that's going to be out on Thursday. Yeah, so the episode, we're going to be recording that on Wednesday evening rather than uh, on Tuesday uh, because obviously we've I've got other commitments, unfortunately, so we're not able to record that Tuesday evening. But yes, the hotly anticipated RB16 uh, could, well, RB16B, I believe it's going to be called. Um, that's right, yeah. So yes, will that be the car to beat Mercedes, beat the W12 and finally end the long dominance that Mercedes have held in the turbo hybrid era? Hopes are high, but of course, Red Bull will have to deliver once again and we'll have to wait and see how that all pans out. But until then, guys, make sure to like the video, subscribe if you haven't already. And then, of course, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. See you soon. Podcast Network.